This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Great, okay, so um, we're in uh, the burning bush uh, this morning, so it's Exodus chapter 2, I'm just going to read for you. My title this morning is, uh, I am the God who comes down. Okay, let me read. So I'll read the end of chapter 2 and then we'll uh, race on through. So chapter 2, verse 23, okay, um, it says, After a long time, that king of Egypt, or Pharaoh, died. The Israelites groaned because of their harsh labour and they cried out. And, they cried for, and their cry for help ascended to God because of the bitter labour. So God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant or his promise with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God saw the Israelites and had concern for them. Meanwhile, jo- uh, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Hor. Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord. Just interesting, the angel of the Lord, when it pops up in the Old Testament, it's actually when God reveals himself, and actually it's Jesus. So, because we'll find that this isn't an angel, as it goes on, it's the angel of the Lord, capital L, and and actually it's called God later on. So if you're thinking, who's this character? It's Jesus speaking to Moses out of the bush. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and a flame within the bush And Moses looked, and he saw the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place we are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the people said, then God said, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt and I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors and I know about their sufferings and I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The territory of the, help me here, Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. The Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I also have seen the way the Israelites are oppressing them, that the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh, so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, God answered, I will certainly be with you and this will be a sign to you that I've sent you when you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship and serve God at this mountain. Then Moses asked, if, the, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, uh, uh, and they ask, what is his name, what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you said to say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to Israelites, Yahweh, that means that's the same as I am, the, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is how I'll be remembered in every generation. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me and said, and said I have watched over you. And I have concern for you, for what uh, has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised that I will bring you up from the land, uh, the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. Then you and all the elders of Israel must go to the king of Egypt and say to him, Yahweh, the God of Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice uh, to Yahweh our God. However, I know that the king of Egypt will not allow you to go unless he is forced by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders. And after that, he's going to let you go. Father, I just pray as we um, look at this story, whether we're familiar with it, whether we've seen the Prince of Egypt cartoon story, or whether we've seen Moses gods, uh, of gods, uh, we've seen different films. Lord, I just pray, wherever we are in this knowledge of this story, wherever we are in our knowledge of you, I pray that you'd speak to us this morning through this story. Amen. Well, our culture is obsessed with identity. Uh, we really are obsessed with this kind of sense of who we are, uh, what, we, what I want. And it's interesting that, that, that identity is very fluid in our culture. It's almost you can make yourself. You can, you can be a self-made person. You can kind of reinvent yourself. You know, some people, students, are, uh, there's not many students left at this time of year, but, but students, they go off to university and they kind of think, right, I'm going to, I didn't quite like the person I am, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to make myself a new identity. And we can do that. We move towns. We feel that we can bend our identity and shape our identity. We feel it's something that's in our hands to create. But it's interesting, through most of human history, history, identity, who you are, has been defined by your network of friends and relationships. So has anyone here got a surname that ends in son? Okay? So Johnson, Alex Johnson, son of... Uh, uh, the name arrives because somewhere in, in, in Alex's history, the, he, his, his, one of his parents or grandparents or great-grandparents was the son of John. Yeah? So you're defined by your network of relationships. My name, Kellett, is actually a village in the lake, at the edge of the Lake District. So obviously my, uh, my reference point for who I am, my identity, was based on a place. So you can find that. You can find that our surnames and even sometimes our, our first names, uh, if they're chosen carefully, we tend not to choose first names. Uh, we tend to just think, oh, you know, I, I, I'm going to call my kid Harry because obviously we're winning the World Cup, and there we go. Nobody thinks, now, I wonder what Harry means. Does Harry have any significance? Obviously, in the Bible, that's not true. We saw with Moses that, that Pharaoh's daughter called him Moses, which means of royal birth in Egyptian. And we, but in Hebrew, interestingly, it means he draws, draws him out, which actually what happened to him. He's drawn out of the water of the Nile and he's going to draw God's people out of the, uh, out of the slavery. So, so it's interesting that we're defined by our network of, of relationships. But this sense of identity is really huge for us. So right at the beginning of the story, uh, people's identity was based in God. Adam and Eve, uh, Adam means man. 
so that was his identity. And actually, he's called the Son of God. His identity was based on his relationship with God. But what happened is, when, when humanity decided we're not going uh, to have our identity from God, we're going to reject God and we're going to do it ourselves, we went up into this restless search for who we are. And actually... Um, that the figuratively Adam and Eve are actually kicked out of the place that, that, uh, of Eden and they wander, they're restlessly wandering. And actually that's part of what we're like now because we're searching for who we really are. We're searching for our reference point. Uh, Augustine of Hippo, Hippo from the uh, early uh, church, he said this, he says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it finds its rest in you. There's this kind of restless search for our identity. We feel, I want to create my identity. I feel it's all about me. But actually, what, what Augustine is saying is, no, there's a different reference point. Let me give you another quote. A guy called Calvin, he looks pretty serious. A Swiss guy, obviously they lost in a World Cup, so he's really feeling bad. Uh, and he said this, this is, man, excuse me, if it was a modern quote, he'd have put humanity or people, but obviously he's back then before political correctness took hold. Man, includes, man embraces woman. No, no joke intended. A man is never sufficiently touched and affected by the awareness of who he really is, his true state, unless he's compared himself with God. So what, what we're going to find in this story is actually that, that, that Moses is thinking, this is, this is a story about me, but actually it's a story about God. And so we're going to work through that and find how this plays itself out. So what happens is the start of the story, uh, the, uh, Moses is wandering around. He's, he's, it's four, 40 years, so Moses drawn out of the water as a little baby. 40 years later, he decides to take a rescue into his own hands. He tries to kill an Egyptian. He has to run away. He goes through the Red Sea into, a, into a, a, another land and he becomes, he marries a woman called Zipporah. She's a bit of a dude, actually. And, um, and then he's a shepherd. He does what his nation have always done. He's a shepherd and he's just getting on with his job. He's about age 80 now. So 40 and 40 and 40. He's about age 80. Still a shepherd. I'd have wanted retirement and golf by then. But anyway, he's, he's uh, doing his job. And he says, The angel of the Lord, it's Jesus, I believe, appeared to him in the flame of a fire within the bush. Moses looked and he saw that the bush was on fire but it was not consumed or not burned. So Moses, Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning? God wants Moses' attention. He does it in a really remarkable way. He does it with a bush on fire. Now, I've, I've seen bush, bushes on fire, but I've seen them burning. Obviously, if you go up to the moorlands of Manchester, where we used to live, there's loads of bushes on fire, but some of them started by people, some of them started by... But you, know, you can see things fire, but you, you know they get burned. But Moses thinks, this is interesting. There's a bush on fire, and it's not burning. I'm going to go have a look. Now, me and you might think there's a bush on fire, and it's not burning. This is weird. He goes to have a look. And it's interesting that fire has this godlike quality, because I don't know if you love fires. I love, uh, I love when we have uh, bonfire nights. Um, I don't know if, there's, if you're from another nation, if you have another setting where you're officially allowed to light a fire in your garden. But, you know, you have this fire, and you just want to sit there when it's died down and just look into the fire, right? You do that. There's something that draws you closer to look in the fire. But there's something godlike about that because you think, man, I can't get too close to the fire. So this image of fire is quite helpful because it helps us think, and God wants to draw Moses in, but actually we'll find in a minute, don't get too close. So he goes over to check it out. When the Lord, that's Jesus, capital L means God, when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. 
God wants Moses' attention. He also wants our attention. Sometimes we're so busy going around the shepherding equivalent of what we do. I used to be a school teacher, and I know how busy it is. My wife's a school teacher, she's pressure's on, you know, whatever job you have. You're so busy going around the thing. Sometimes God wants your attention and you don't even notice it. But Moses kind of notices. He thinks, I'm going to go over. And God knows who he is and says, Moses, Moses. Moses, uh, here's a talking bush on fire. At this point, I'd be freaked, but he's not freaked at this point. He just says, okay, here I am. Talks to the bush. The bush says to him, don't come any closer. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place you're standing is holy ground. That sense of you can't come too close. Holy just means different. What, the bush is, what, what God's saying out of the bush is, you're very different from me. We're saying, you are good, you are good. That's what God is like. And Moses is not good. Even though he's a hero, he's not good. He's like the rest of us. He messes up, he makes mistakes, he sins, he's, he's messed up. So, so the, God says, you can't come any closer. But God still wants to encounter him. And he says, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he's afraid to look at God. Really interesting. When there's a, a speaking miraculous bush, Moses thinks, oh, I'm fairly interested. He asks the bush to take your sandals off. He takes his sandals off. He's not scared at all. If you were walking through, through Cheltenham and you saw a bush on fire and it's called over, Tallulah, Tallulah, you must be baptized. You go, whoa, I'm freaked. He's not freaked. He's only scared when he says, I'm going to tell you which kind of God I am. I'm going to tell you which God. This is, this is a world of loads of gods. He's going to say, actually, I'm going to tell you which God I am. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses hid his face because he thought, this is the real God here. This isn't some Egyptian God. This is the real God here, and he is afraid. I just wrote some things about which kind of God is this? Moses knows the story of God. He says, this is the God who created the cosmos. This is the God who saved Noah. He's the God of the rainbow. This is a God who appeared to Abraham, who couldn't have any kids, made promises to him and says, you can have more kids than the stars in the sky. Everywhere you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. This is, this is, this is God who provided a substitute uh, for Isaac, so that Isaac didn't have to die, so that, that this, this lamb died instead. This is a God who wrestled with Jacob. This is God who made Joseph the Prime Minister of Egypt. This is a true living God. Moses is suddenly, oh, it's that God. And he's afraid. This isn't some Egyptian deity. This is the living God, and he knows it. And interestingly, God is very nice. He kind of reference points himself and say, look, I'm going to reference me so you know I am. I'm the God who's, who's worked with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to reference myself, almost like we do, reference ourselves to something else, a place or people, whatever. God very kindly does that and references himself to uh, that. The big question, though, uh, that Moses replies with is, who am I? He says, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you to, I'm God of Abraham, I could Jacob, and I'm going to send you to, to set, the, the, set the captives free. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. I'm gonna, you're going to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. You've got a million free, free workers, slaves, and you're going to just say to him, let them go. And, Pharaoh, and, and Moses thinks, hang on a minute. Who am I? You might think, well, Pharaoh's the massive, most powerful man in the world. And, but, you know, who am I? He, uh, he could have said, well, I've grew up in Pharaoh's palace, so maybe you're well qualified. And he's trying to have this debate about, am I up to the job? You know, is, this, uh, is my identity strong enough? And we can ask this question, who I am? 
who am I? Am I up to it? So I've picked up three or four situations. So top, um, top left is Wembley. We've got a couple in church. They're going to go to Wembley. And God says, I am sending you to Wembley to start a church in Wembley in that really mixed, racially mixed area, that area with kind of some wealthy and some deprivation where there's, there's not many churches. I'm sending you. You could go, hang on a minute, who am I? Who am I? I can't do this. It's beyond me. I bet Andy and Vic are looking at the challenges uh, as they shared last week thinking, man, this is beyond me. Who am I? I look at my identity. I search inside for the hero inside myself as the song says and think, man, I can't do this. What about this one? Top right. Uh, you, you know, maybe that you come week after week and you're a Christian here and, and people say, look, you need to tell your friends and neighbours about the good news of Jesus because it's amazing. He's the pearl of great price. And you think, well, I'm scared. I, I, who am I can do? I, you know, they're not going to listen to me. What if they're rude? What if they tell me, tell me to get lost? If I invite them to church, they're going to say, you're an idiot. You don't go to church, do you? you know, who am I? I can't do this. What about you thinking, like, how am I going to balance my life? How am I going to balance, like, uh, okay, if, I, uh, you know, if I'm in church, you know, I've got to, I come to church and they might ask me to set up stuff and I'm doing all this and I've, and I've got my job and I've got my family and I've got my friends to visit at the weekend. I've got all these things going on. You know, it's like, how, I can't manage it. There's too much pressure. Who am I that can do that? Or even just we're talking in my uh, uh, free uh, with the, some guys I meet with uh, f- f- uh, on a Friday morning. We're talking about, like, you know, I just need to try and pray. We just want to try and pray. And it feels like, man, with all the busyness of my life and all the stuff going on, I can't even pray. And we think, I'm not up to it. Who am I? When we look at our own resources, we tend to not feel good about our own identity. We tend to think, man, I'm not up to this. God doesn't answer Moses' question, who am I? He doesn't say, actually, Moses, yeah, you are fairly well qualified and you're pretty good at that. And, you know, you've had a couple of Exodus experiences, drawn out of the water and escaping from Egypt, 840. You're pretty well qualified. He doesn't say that. He says this. He says, I will certainly be with you. I will certainly be with you. And this will be a sign that I've sent you. God's presence with Moses is the guarantee of success. When you bring the people out of Egypt, Egypt, you kind of serve me on this mountain. You know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna move to Wembley and start a church, Andy, I'm th- to you, just you alone. That it's not whether you can make it; it's God is with you. You're trying to live as a Christian life. You think, man, how can I balance all the pressures? How can I tell people about Jesus at work? You know, God is with you. You're thinking, how can, I, how can I have this life and this life and be a Christian at the same time? And there's too many things going on. God is with you. You're thinking, I want to just pray. I don't know what to do. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. It's like the thing that answers. You're asking the identity. You're thinking, can I do this? Can I make this happen? God says, it's not about you. It's about me. I'm with you. So Moses says, I'm not quite satisfied with that answer. And we're like that. Oh, God is with you. Flip. Don't feel like it. You know, I've got this. Yeah, I'm going to cope in my life. God is with you. Oh, that's very nice, Pastor. But what about, what about the reality of it all? Moses says, if, if I go to the Israelites and tell them the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? So he's asking that identity question. What is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. It's really interesting. Uh, um, 
Andrew Wilson, who, who's a, a preacher in London, not the Andrew Wilson here. Notice he's called Wilson, somebody William, William somewhere with somebody's son and his family. Anyway, but that's beside the point. Andrew Wilson says this. He's uh, written a book on this, and he's, uh, he said this. He says, the meaning of every other name that we use is based on another idea or concept or entity, something else, outside the person named. Because that's how you put a person on the map. How you identify people in time and space. So I'm Kellett, from the, the village of Nether Kellett. So I'm on the map. Let's try this actually, let's, before we finish the quote, let's try it. So Alex, I looked up your name. Alexander means defender of people. Yeah? So your name is put on the map, you're in reference to people you might defend. And it's interesting, isn't it? You feel that, we'll talk about that maybe. But you know, Alec, uh, Tulula, your name means leaping over the water. It's a Native American name. You can just imagine Tulula with Pocahontas <laughs> leaping over the water. So she's, in one sense, her, your name means you're referenced in terms to water. Where's Josh? Josh, well, you've got a great name because it means God saves, doesn't it? Your name is reference to God. We all live in reference to each other or reference to God, but actually, God is the own, God is the being in himself. I am what I am. God is the only being who doesn't need anything else to define him. But he is what he is without anything else. This is a God who's in the corner. This is not the God who's, who's, who needs somebody else. This is the God who was and is and is to come. This is the one, he's like, he says, Moses, you've got boundaries. I've got no boundaries. You weren't, and you won't be, as it were, you live and die on this earth, okay, eternity, but you, you weren't. I live forever. I've existed forever. I am, says God. I am. You want to find your identity, you want to find where things really rooted, you want to find the place you really want to reference your identity, God says, reference it to me. Say that I am sent you. Say I am sent you. Moses is shocking actually, we'll just give you a couple of excuses, we haven't time to develop it before we push through the end. It says this, it says, Moses, this is chapter 4, it says, Moses, there's a big long discussion and Moses says, it's Excuse me, God, this is all very well. I know you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know you're the, 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 the one that's existed through all eternity, has all power, all might, no reference to anybody else. You are self-existent. And I, I, thank you, that's all very helpful. But excuse me, and he's back on himself. I've never been eloquent, and I'm slow of speech and tongue. How can I go to Pharaoh? He's like, well, you've got the wrong guy. Moses is still thinking it's about him. Later on in verse 13 and 14 he says, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. I love it. Please send somebody else. You know, when I look at myself, I'm not up for this. I often talk to people and they say, I, I, I'd like to become a Christian, but I'm not good enough. You know, choose somebody else. As if they've got to get themselves, reinvent themselves as this holy kind of person that then is good enough for God. But actually, no. The whole point of becoming a Christian is says, God... I'm referencing myself to you. I'm selling everything, I'm having you. Let's move this on. So, but actually God is so good with Moses uh, that actually he kind of gives him, if you were listening carefully and I put them in white to help you, you kind of get what God is like 
through how he describes what he's doing. So let's just pick up some of these as we finish. Let's say them. So, it's up there. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God saw the Israelites and he had concern for them. Uh, then the Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people and I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors and I know about their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians to bring them into a, a, a land, a good and spacious land of low, flowing with milk and honey. I have watched over you and I have concern at what has been done to you and I have promised you that I will bring you up from the misery of Egypt. Isn't that amazing? You think, okay, so God is saying, yeah, I'm the God who's done this stuff in the past. I'm this God, this self-existent one, but let me just give you a little window into the kind of God I am. Let me give you a little window into a kind of God. So, I, 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 you know, it's dangerous. It's not very politically correct to compare gods, but there's lots of gods out there. Let's take the God that's worshipped in a large amount of the Middle East, whose name means the Lord. He would not get involved. By definition, he is separate from his creation. He doesn't get involved. He sends a book, sends a prophet, but he doesn't get involved. He's separate from creation. If you read the Quran, that's what it says. But this God is, wants to get involved. This God says, I, I have seen. I have heard. I know. So far, you could do it from a distance. I've watched over you. Yeah, you can do that from a distance. I'm concerned. You could do that from a distance. I have promised you. You can do all that from a distance. But it says, I have, say it with me, come down to rescue you and I will bring you up. God is the one who comes down. The God is not the God who stands at a far distance. We think, well, I'll just get myself sorted and then I'll believe in you. If, I, if you can answer my questions, I'll believe you. No, God has come down. That's, but that's why God comes down. That's why the angel of the Lord is in the bush. Because he comes down. He's not staying far off. He said, I'm coming down. That's why Jesus becomes a baby. Uh, God becomes a man in Christ Jesus, a baby, and says, I've come down. I've come down to get involved because you're not up to the task. I give you the big task, the big, big task of saving yourself from all your craziness, all your struggles, all your searching, all your restless wandering. Uh, you're going uh, to do that yourself? No, I'm going to come and save you. I'm going to come and save you from the task. The biggest task of all is how can, we, how can we get sorted? How can we get our lives balanced so we're not restlessly wandering, trying to find ourselves? Jesus says, I'm going to come and get involved. Just to take these things is amazing. What kind of God is this? I just took the phrases and added, what does it mean for us? I have seen. God sees you. That might be scary if you're up to no good. <laughs> but actually what it means is he looks on you and loves you. He sees you. You're always in his attention. I know these baby monitors, we didn't used to have baby monitors and then they got baby monitors and all you could do is hear, hear the baby crying. Time we left our, our son, he's out in the kids' work and he's got an ear infection. We say, Oh, he's just trying to be dominating, leave him to sleep. But actually, now what happens is you get a little picture, don't you? Who's got a baby monitor with pictures? A couple, a couple of people raising their hands tentatively. Thank you, Heather, at the back. You know, you get a picture and it's almost like you don't look and you just think, I wonder, 
I wonder if, let's choose a baby, I wonder if Ezra is, 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 is behaving himself, you know, or if Eisen's behaving himself. No, you look at the picture and think, I see you. I see you and love you. I see you. God doesn't look through a little pathetic little screen. He looks and sees us. He hears us. When we cry, and it says they cried out to oh, my life's a mess. I'm stuck in this slavery, which is a picture of our life stuck in the patterns we can't break free from. God says, I hear. God listens to us. I know God understands you. Say, Paul, I'm searching for my identity. No one understands me, particularly if you're a teenager. But I do that as well, and I'm nearly 60. No one understands me. They don't know what my life is like. (laughs) God understands. I watched over you. God guards us. I have concern for you. I love that. I have concern for you. God loves you. This is the God we worship. This is the God who's come down. He loves us. I've got concern for you. It's not like, oh, you're in slavery. I don't care. I'm up in heaven having a nice time. No, you're in slavery. I'm concerned. It matters to me. Your life matters to me. Your life, whoever you are, matters to God this morning. I have promised you. God is faithful to us. We are not faithful to him. We're not faithful in a whole load of ways. Just look at the world's relationship issues. We're not faithful. God is faithful. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And then I will come down to rescue us. God saves us. He comes down. And I will bring you up. This is the story of Jesus. Jesus comes down to rescue us. Takes our place. Draws us out of slavery to the broken way of life we have. Takes us through the water. The Red Sea, if you saw the video, takes us through the water. Almost as a sign of going down into death. And brings us up as a picture of new life. It says, I'm going to come down and rescue you. So when we baptise these people in a moment to hear their stories... What we're doing is we, we, we're going to put them under the water. They're going to go through the Red Sea. We couldn't organise the Red Sea and it's not going to part unless somebody can manage that. But, you know, that's what's happening. We're, people, people are going to say, my old life, I'm done. I go down under the water, out of the way of my old life, and I'm coming into a new life. I will bring you up. I've come down to rescue. I've come down to rescue why do we sing about the cross of Jesus? Because that's what he did. We're going to look at it in weeks to come that he's the lamb that was slain so that we could go free. His blood to set us free. I will bring you up, as I said, baptism, down into the water, up out of the water. How do you find your identity? I want to appeal to you, wherever you are in your journey, stop searching for the hero inside yourself. Stop trying to reinvent yourself. Stop trying to remake yourself so people are going to love you, like you, feel affectionate for you. Please, I beg you, find your identity in Jesus. Find your identity in Jesus. Because then it's all the pressure's off. Instead of the exhausting search, you can say, no, my identity is him. Here's a few things. that, that This my friend in, uh, um, in uh, Norfolk put this together. Here's my identity. It says, forgiven, complete, joined with Jesus, God's child, adopted, made new, belonging to God, chosen, accepted, loved, significant. What a great place to find your identity. What a great place to find your identity. And I know that some of you think, oh, Flip, I knew you were coming in, I knew you'd preach at me. I'm honestly not trying to preach at you. I'm trying to say... 
Stop your restless wandering and find your home in him. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.